Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. There we are. Good morning. (laughs) Glad you guys can be here with us live and those watching online and those who are still coming in right now. Glad you guys can be here and join us. It's good to be together and for you guys watching online. uh, Glad you're able to watch online and hopefully... You can join us at some point. We'd love to see you guys here, but we're going to pause and we're going to pray before we get started. The reasons we get together and do this is because it is something that replenishes us in some way, right? It's something that helps us to recalibrate our lives and the way we think and remind us maybe of things that we have forgotten And so that's one of the reasons that we gather together. And so let's pause and let's pray and let's lean into what God has for us this morning. Father, we are here desiring change. We are desiring change within us and around us. And Lord, we want work to take place and we want to hear from you and we want to move into the things that you are doing. Thank you again for an opportunity to do so. May we be refreshed. May we be restored if that's necessary. May we understand that we are welcome before you at any time. And so we come here in Jesus' name, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Let's get started. Thanks, Randy. Good morning again. Good to have you guys with us. A couple of things we want to announce that are coming up. One is on Thursday, March 31st, we are having a women's gathering. It is going to be around the book, uh, A Year of Biblical Womanhood by Rachel Held Evans. Get the book if you haven't gotten it already. It's an incredible book. Okay, guys, you can get the book too. It's not just for the ladies, but the meeting is just for the ladies, okay? So that's going to be happening here, March 31st, 7 o'clock. There is not child care, so leave the kids with someone else. Grandma, be happy to take them. Notice I said grandma, not grandpa. Um, whoever you can, if you have kids, uh, so that you can be here and kind of enjoy the conversation. Um, trying to preface this. I put out a little announcement that Randy posted for us about the book because I don't want you to have the wrong impression of what the book is about. Uh, But it's something that's very powerful of how Rachel kind of pushes against this idea of biblical. 
And she does it in a very healthy way, I think. She's not bashing things. She is illuminating things. And I think you'll find it just that, illuminating. And so, ladies, come down, check that out. Also, we want you to know, again, second Tuesday of the month, we have the Art for Artists. Uh, Third Tuesday of the month, we have the Pact. Um, And then last night, I believe, they had the Full Circle. Was that? that, How was it? Were you here? It was quick. Anyway, see there, you can come. It's quick. That was yesterday's. It'll happen again the last Saturday of the month, I think it is. So keep your mind, eyes open for those things happening. Also, we are here because of the financial giving of you, and we appreciate it. I know right now more people are watching and listening than are attending, and so we... Uh, want to extend this invitation for those of you who are participating in that way that you can give to the genesisstory.com if you go to the website it'll have all the ways that you can give there and we appreciate it it's so we can keep doing the things that we are doing okay today we are in part 4 of our foundation series and it's important maybe to understand why we're doing this series. You know, when I do dog training, I go to the home and I try to convey to the people that I am not teaching them how to make their dogs do something. What I'm trying to do is help them understand how to communicate to who their dogs really are and become someone that their dogs really need. A lot of people don't understand that. My dog really loves me, jumps on me all the time. That's not love. That's pushy, right? He is telling you what to do. And when I help people understand how dogs communicate and how to in turn communicate to them and develop respect, it changes everything. And so it's important that we understand that this whole foundation series is not just, we're going to tell you four things or five things of what we are, these things are all integrated. They are not just information, they are to be our character, right? They are to be the essence of who we are as a community. And so I want to do a little review. The first foundational setting we had is that we, Genesis, are here for a reason. And it's Said in that way, because the minute Genesis stops becoming we, we've lost the soul of Genesis, right? So we are here for the reason, and that reason is to embody the kingdom of God as seen through Jesus Christ. How did Jesus embody the kingdom? Well, he brought healing, right? He restored, he forgave, he helped those who he encountered. And so we too want to be generous. We want to be kind. We want to be peacemakers. We don't point to our faith. We don't point to our religion. We point to what Jesus pointed to and then embody it. And that's our our first foundation is that we are here for that reason. The second is the reason we are here is rooted in love. Love is a tangible representation of God or what we call the kingdom of God. It, It doesn't only love with words. It doesn't just love with an idea, but in words and in truth. It is something that we again embody as Jesus did. Last week we talked about plans and programs must always serve and benefit people. And we looked at the different ways that Jesus broke their understanding of the law to do good. He healed on the Sabbath. 
right? The, the disciples were, were eating grain on the Sabbath. He touched an unclean person, a leper, and healed them. And these were all things that they considered breaking the law. Jesus said that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we touched on how we have developed traditions in our lives that fail to represent Jesus' caring for people. And it's important that we don't allow structures, traditions to get in the way of really caring for and loving people. Today, I'm going to talk about how God moves in culture, and so will we. I guess first we need to think of what do we mean God moves in culture, but before that, we have to maybe kind of identify what culture is. And culture encompasses religion, encompasses food, what we wear, how we wear it, our language, marriage, music, and is different all over the world and is different throughout different times of the world, right? I mean, you look at music, you look at fashion, you look at things, how they developed. Remember the mullet? If you don't, don't, right? I mean, there are things that have changed (laughs) for good reason, Culture is the water we swim in. We don't usually notice it until we are confronted by something different than it. You go to another culture and then something stands out because you're swimming swimming in different waters. When I'd go to Haiti, you would see people holding hands, but not just like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. You'd see men holding hands. You'd see boys who are in high school holding hands and women. And, and to you, it seems like, well, that's a little strange, but it's common there. It's, it's what they do with friends. It's very beautiful. It's very endearing. And you see that, and to you, it stands out because it's not a part of our culture, but to them, it's normal, and it's a part of their culture. And that just shows us the difference when we see the difference. Or if you go to a different country and eat the food, thank God for different cultures, right? I mean, where would we be without tacos? You know, I mean, it was, we want these things to happen. Now, why would God care about culture? And how does he move through it? In John chapter one, verse one, John writes and he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Goes down in verse 14 and he tells us exactly what the word means and I wanna read it from the message translation. It says, the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. God moved in culture first by moving into culture literally, by becoming human, by moving into the neighborhood, pitching his tent here with us. And in our faith, we believe that God is revealing himself through Jesus. 
and through all of us in some way as we bear his image. But what we see in Jesus is that he swam in the culture that he lived in, right? Jesus spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. Why? Because that's what the language was of the time of the culture. Jesus wore a robe and sandals. Why? Because they didn't have boots. They didn't have Nike. Right? He didn't come and say, I'm going to show you guys a new way. Look at these shoes. <laughs> right? That wasn't what's important. He lived in the culture and was a part of it. He used illustrations. He talked about sheep, trash heaps, vineyards. They lived in an agrarian culture. And so he used the things that were a part of their life and helped them see God in the everyday things that they were already doing. He connected those worlds of this unseen, invisible God to the visible things that they have their hands on on a daily basis. If God exists and is communicating to us in in some way, then it's happening in a way that each of us can understand. And it's happening to us in the culture that we're living in. It's happening to us in the waters that we already swim in. And so Paul would say in Athens, in him we live and move and have our being as your own poets have said, we too are experiencing God right here, right now in our culture, wherever our culture is, whatever that culture is, and it's happened whatever time that has taken place because God is always speaking, God is always working, and it's going to happen in a way that we can understand. And it might look different depending on the time and place that you live in, but it's happening and it changes. Just as culture changes, the way of communication shows up in different ways. You know, we keep having different translations of the Bible. Why? Because language changes. And we're probably happy that it changes. I want to show you a couple of verses in the King James Bible, which was back in 1611, right? Matthew 13, 15, it says, for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Waxed gross. Now there's a term you use a lot, right? I'm not waxing nothing gross, right? What is that about? Now this one's a lot of fun. Genesis 44, verse 13. Then they rent their clothes and laded every man his ass and returned to the city. That's right. First they had to rent the clothes, and I don't know what laded the ass means, but it sounds painful, right? (laughs) Now, there's a lot more of these that I could go through, but I'm going to resist my seventh grade self and not go there, okay? Just to say this, that... It's crazy how language has changed, but no, it's crazy that back in 2014, the King James Bible is still the most common sold Bible in the United States. Over 55% 
of the Bible sold were the King James Version. This version that we just read. And I think second was like the NIV, and that was 19%, and then 7% was the new revised standard, and then all the other little ones combined make up the difference. The majority of people cannot let go of a translation that is over 400 years old that has words that don't mean what they used to mean. And we want to hold on to things sometimes because we think that that's where God is. But if God is moving through culture, he was speaking in the 1600s, waxing gross, and he is speaking now in the same way, using different words, but still speaking to the heart. And just like Jesus would use parables and talk about vineyards and talk about these things, why was he using that? Was he Because you guys need to always talk about sheep. I don't know anything about sheep except for the petting zoo at, you know, the farmer's market or whatever at the place that you go to. It's a fair, a county fair. That's all I know about sheep, right? They're there and you pet them and you give them little pellets that you have to pay for. (laughs) It's not that we have to hold on to this definition. It's we have to capture the meaning. And that same story about the shepherd going out and finding the one that is lost has a million different stories that can be relevant to us. It can be about your son who is homeless and addicted on drugs and you leave the other kids to go find the one. You see, there are so many things that you might be able to relate to and see the father and the understanding of who God is in today's culture, just like they did at that time. And if we don't understand that that's the point we will still be waxing gross and not communicating clearly. It's difficult to get used to something and then slowly see it change. It's hard to understand when things are evolving. I still don't understand Bitcoin or cryptocurrency but I probably should because I have a feeling like this is going to happen, right? This is happening, Sam. What do you mean it's going to happen? It's already happening. (laughs) Most of us prefer the music we listened to in high school because those were formative, humiliating, drastic years. And it's embedded in our lives. And so those are kind of the go-to things. Oh, I like that style because that's what I'm familiar. We all have these familiarities But even through the language, music, and culture and change, there is something that we still hold on to that all these anchor to and that God is trying to connect us with. And I believe it's why Jesus, when he replied to Peter, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus answered him in Matthew 16 and he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church or community, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What is the role that Jesus' community holds on to? What is the role that we are to have if it's going to endure through time? 
if it is going to have not the gates of Hades prevailing against it, right? We declare what Jesus taught. We see it in his life and we want to exemplify it. And that's what we want to imitate in whatever culture we find ourselves in. And really it has to do with death, resurrection, communion, it's confession, telling each other the truth, telling ourselves the truth. It's baptism, the idea, our sacraments, baptism and communion are about death and resurrection. It's about anointing the sick. This is what introducing someone to Jesus looks like. It's introducing them to the fact that, you know, there is death and there is life and there is God resurrecting and doing new things continually. It's the water they're already swimming in. And it's where God is already working. And I know it seems strange, this idea of death and resurrection, but in, in what ways do we rise? In what ways do we die? Gallup poll in 2021 said that Americans' membership in houses of worship continued decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in an eight-decade trend. More people are leaving places of worship than ever before. Now, there are people who see this and freak out, right? Right? And I think how we react to this news is very telling to how we see the big picture of what's happening. I think it reveals whether we are holding on to a culture of how things were or to a faith that inhabits and transcends the changes that happen. Maybe being the church, this community of Jesus, isn't about numbers, isn't about power, isn't about control, isn't about maintaining empire, but is about something else. Maybe dying to the ways we've hold onto in the past is exactly what needs to happen. G.K. Chesterton said that the church has died and resurrected many times, for it has a God who knew the way out of the grave. I don't see people leaving, quote, the church as a problem. I see it as a culture that's taking place. Even as more people are leaving, there are more conversations starting up on podcasts about how God is working in different ways than ever before. The majority of podcasts that are on faith now are what we would call progressive just for a lack of term. And that's a broad term. I'm not going to get into all that. So it's not so much that people are leaving God. People are leaving some of the things that are connected to God because they no longer connect to them. And some people still find this comforting. Some people still like that music. Some people still want to wear those clothes. Some people still have mullets. I mean, it's still how these things are. And it's not that this is bad, well, except for the mullet thing, maybe. But what it is, is it's showing that people are trying to find meaning where they're at. And sometimes the music that our parents listened to 
doesn't connect with me. I was talking to William before, and we were talking just about, like, even art has changed, right? How now we have graffiti, and graffiti was there because it's presenting something. Most of the music was a rebellion against what was there. Rock and roll was kind of, yeah, we're rock and roll, and it was kind of, oh, not that rock and roll music. It's going to corrupt your kids. And then it was my era, punk, right? And punk rock was a rebellion. The system's broken, and so we're going to prove it's broken by being blatantly broken. And then we've got rap, and who knows what it'll be on. It just keeps going. It keeps pushing against this. Why? Because when people see things that aren't working, they're going to make a noise about it. And they do it in their music. They do it in their art. They do it in their writing. And they do it in the culture. And it doesn't mean that God has abandoned it. It means that... God is working in a different way. But he's still working. Death is something empires worry about. Businesses worry about. It's not something that gardeners worry about. right? Gardeners don't worry that the seeds that they planted, if they're going to die or not. They're supposed to, so that they'll grow into something. To have, to do something more, sometimes we have to let what we did die so that something more can be born. Death is not something resurrection people worry about. Now, I want to be clear. I'm talking metaphorically here. I'm not saying that if someone you love is ill or dying, you shouldn't have fear and it shouldn't affect you, right? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm talking about how we carry this message of Jesus and God to humanity, it's not something we are trying to build an empire. We're not trying to build a system. We're not trying to, to organize, you know, make this country run a certain way. What we're trying to do is exemplify God wherever we're at. And it's going to look different here in the United States than it does in China, than it does in Ukraine. But it's still going to have something that's anchored to it, the idea of the death, the resurrection, the communion. All these things are still taking part. In Revelation 21, God says that he is making everything new. Is making. That means right now he's doing it. Not will make everything new somewhere down the line, you know, when the end of the world comes, then I'm going to make it all new. It's like, no, I need it new now. He is making everything new, and he's doing it in our midst. He's doing it in our culture. He's doing it where we live, and he's doing it in the hearts of the people around us. We are not trying to get people to do certain things. We're trying to help people understand what God is doing in them in our culture right now. I'm not trying to teach people, do this to get your dog to behave. I'm trying to tell people, understand who your dog is and become who your dog needs. I want people to see the God who cares and loves them in the place that they live, in their home, in their culture, in a way that they understand. Change has to happen because it's the way life happens. At this point, there are people who may push back and give the idea saying that things change, but God doesn't change, so we shouldn't either, or or we shouldn't let culture influence us good luck with that, but should live, quote, biblically. We're going to let the Bible determine how we live. What was Jesus' response to that question? Because that question came to Jesus. Maybe they didn't use the word biblically, 
but they asked Jesus exactly what was important. And the teacher of the law asked him about this, and they didn't use that word again biblically. It was essentially, how do we live according to you, Jesus, biblically? And his answer was in Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. When they asked him these things, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus, how are we supposed to live biblically? That's a rough translation, but gives you an idea maybe in our terms. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Maybe love is what translates through all cultures and all times. Maybe more important than how we worship is the heart of the worship itself. And maybe when in doubt, love. I'm not sure maybe love is the best way to lean in to the change. When in doubt, show grace. When in doubt, be merciful. Why? Because this is how Jesus did this. This is how he lived. While more and more people are leaving places of worship, more and more people are searching for meaning. And maybe our terminology is getting in the way. Because when we tell people about church or about Christianity or about God, they are hearing something that to them is like old King James English. And maybe they're not searching for God, but they're searching for meaning, and maybe they don't realize it, that they're really searching for God. They're just giving it the term meaning or purpose. And I don't have to make them use my terminology and make them go backwards, I need to come forward to where they're at and see how God is speaking to them now where they are. Because God has never stopped moving. He has never stopped working. I think sometimes we just have a hard time understanding and communicating. People used to meet at wells watering holes, because that was life. They would get water, they would sit there, they'd talk. People used to go more to churches where they would gather together and congregate. And again, people still do. I'm not saying they don't. And I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong. But maybe instead of people coming to church, maybe we can meet them at their well. Where's the well? Well, it probably varies. Maybe it's a brewery. Maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe it's some function. There's a lot of places that people are still meeting, still talking, still wanting to hear something that's meaningful and purposeful in our lives. God is still talking. 
where are the people at that he's talking to? Because that's where he wants us to be. I want to close in a, one last verse. Matthew chapter 11. This is the message translation again. And it says, verse 28, chapter 11. Are you tired? <laughs> yes. Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's beautiful. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, we can do this in any culture. We can journey with someone. We can learn the unforced rhythms of grace instead of trying to force grace on people. Let's learn its rhythms by learning where people are at, what they're experiencing, how they're feeling, what's going on with them. Let's journey with them as Jesus did. And let's not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on them. Let's instead keep company with them so that we can teach them to live freely and lightly because that's what Jesus did. And he did it in a culture that didn't have air conditioning, didn't have deodorant, didn't have toothpaste. I heard a historian say that if we were to go back in that culture, the first thing we would notice is the smell. And Jesus was at home there. He is at home here too. But he is through you, through me. And so let's allow God to work through us in the culture we find ourselves in. It's foundation if we're gonna be effective in communicating as Jesus did. And maybe we're gonna have to let some things die, but it's only so something can grow, so that life can be born. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would learn how to be more like you. That we would learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That we would journey alongside. That we would hear what the hearts of people are yearning for. That your spirit would give us understanding and language to communicate clearly that they are loved, that they are forgiven, and that whatever is happening in their lives, there is opportunity for resurrection. God, you have risen in my life countless times. There are many times I have to die to my ways, to ego, to 
to things that are harmful to me or to those I love. But Lord, you never stop with the death. You always bring about new life. And so I pray that you would do that within our community, within us, that we would be a place where new life can be born and grow. Teach us, Lord, to be more like you in these ways, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to continue this conversation with those of you who are here. Here are some questions and feedback. I'm sure you have insight that we could all receive from the things that maybe the Spirit of God has ministered to you. So you're invited to stay and stick around if you want. If you have to go, no pressure. Um, But we'd love to continue the conversation. For those of you watching online, may you learn to swim in the waters with the unforced rhythms of grace and share that grace with those around you. God bless you guys. Love you. Thanks for being here this morning. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.